This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. Some of you may be watching today for the very first time, and may I welcome you to Getting to Know Your Bible. Others of you may watch every time we come on the air, and we do appreciate that as well. Now, today on our telecast, we want to discuss this question, what can we do for America? What can we do for America? Now, of course, what can be done for America can be done for any nation of the world. We have people watching uh, this telecast all over the world. So what can be done for America can be done for any nation, any country of the world. But we want to think about America today. Now, on our telecast, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I want to make it clear that it's free. You're not going to receive a bill. There's no cost for you. It is absolutely free. And I realize that sometimes things are offered free, and then when we uh, get the product or we get the thing that we may have requested, well, then we find out, well, there is some kind of a charge for it. No one is going to charge you. No one is going to call you and ask you for money. This is free. And the reason we do this is that we want people to become better acquainted with the Word of God. It is the Bible that is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path, the psalmist tells us. We want you to study the Bible in this systematic way, and you take your Bible, you follow the lessons and study the lessons, send them back to us for grading, and then we'll send you a certificate showing that you have completed the Bible course. And then if you would like advanced courses, we have those as well but that you might know more about the uh, Bible course, that you might know how to receive the Bible course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314 Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter, and verse number 14. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I'm not going to take the time to bore you trying to convince you that America is in trouble. Sometimes America is referred to as being a Christian nation. And in the beginning of our nation, it was founded upon principles that are taught within the Word of God. So in that respect, it was a Christian nation. But any nation 
that spends as much as America does on pornography has no right to call itself a Christian nation. Any nation that is as addicted to the use of drugs is and has no right to call itself a Christian nation. Any nation that consumes as much alcohol as we do in America has no right to call itself a Christian nation. Any nation that flaunts the law of God in respect to marriage and divorce and remarriage, as does America, really does not have a right to call itself a Christian nation. What can we do to help America? What can be done to bring America back to the principles upon which she was founded? Well, I believe that God has a message for us today. I believe the verse that I read in the very beginning from the book of 2 Chronicles suggests some things that can be done for America. First of all, if we want to help America, we need to know whose we are. We need to know whose we are. Who, who do we, to whom do we belong? God said in this passage, if my people. Now you see, God's people today are people who are blood washed, they are spirit filled, and they are heaven bound. God said, if my people. You see, God's people are people who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 1.5 says, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And those who have been washed in the blood are people who have believed on Christ with all of their hearts, have genuinely repented of their sins, confessed that they believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They've been baptized into Christ that their sins be washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Acts twenty-two sixteen says, Why tarriest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. See, you see, if we want to do something for America, we need to know whose we are. We belong to God. We, are, we have been redeemed by the blood of His Son. And may I remind us of what Paul wrote in Romans the 8th chapter and verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us. So I think first of all, we've got to know who to whom we belong. We belong to God. Now everybody does not have the privilege of calling God Father. God would like to be their Father so that they can say, Our Father which art in heaven, my Father which is in heaven. But, but all people are not God's people. Some of them belong to Satan. In John 8, 44, Jesus said, You're of your father the devil. So Satan has a family. God has a family. But we're talking about those who have been born again, been born into the family of God, born of water, born of the Spirit, according to John chapter 3 and verse number 5. But the second thing that we need to know is who we are. 
Now, we need to know to whom we belong, but we need to know who we are. God said, if my people, which are called by my name. God predicted in the Old Testament in Isaiah 62 and 2 that he would give his people a new name. And they wear the name Christian. The disciples of Christ, according to Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, were called disciples. They were called, the disciples rather were called Christians first in Antioch. The disciples were called Christians. They were followers of Jesus Christ. And you know the world expects more of those who wear the name Christian. And in reality, they have a right to wear, uh, to expect more of those who are wearing the name of Christ. But the fact that a person is wearing that name and says that I am a Christian does not mean that that individual is one. You see, there's a lot more to, to being a Christian than just wearing the name. I might put on a football uniform. I might put on the helmet. I might have on the shoes. Somebody might even throw me a football. But I can assure you, if I were to have on a football uniform, that would not mean that I'm a football player. I think I've just gone past the age of being able to do something of that sort. And wearing the name Christian does not mean that that's exactly who you are. We need to be worthy of that name. So if I want to do something for America, I need to know that I belong to God. And I need to wear the name that he's given to me, and that's the name Christian. And I need to wear it in a worthy way. But a third thing I want to suggest that we can do for America is depend on God. We need to learn to depend on Him. Go back to Second Chronicles again. He said, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, unless we are clothed with humility, we will not survive. We will not survive. Uh, Proverbs the 16th chapter and verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. Have you ever seen that fail? I haven't. Here's an individual, they're lifted up with pride. Maybe they're like the church at Laodicea that said, we're rich and we're increased in goods and we have need of nothing. They just feel like they don't even need the Lord. They excluded God from their life. They excluded Christ from their life. They excluded the church from their life. They never pray. They never read the Bible. They're filled with pride. But I'd suggest to you that if we want to do something for America, we need to learn to, 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 that we must depend upon God. Proverbs, the third chapter, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We carry money in our pockets and in our purses that has the inscription, In God we trust. Does America really trust in God? If we want to do something for America, then we need again to, 
to trust in Him and depend upon Him rather than depending upon ourselves. When a person begins to depend upon themselves, they're headed for disaster. They're headed for disaster because in, in almost inevitably, when they depend upon themselves, they become lifted up with pride. Sometimes they, they, they're just a little bit arrogant. But God has a way of bringing us down. In Luke the four, uh, 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 rather in Luke the 18th chapter, uh, Jesus talked about two men who went up to the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee and one was a publican, and the and the Pharisee prayed a prayer trying to impress somebody. I don't know who. He said, "Lord, I'm just so thankful I'm not like other men, like not like this publican standing over here." And this publican just refused to even look toward heaven and he smote his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, when Jesus talked about those two men and when he analyzed those two men, he said, this man, that is the publican who said, be merciful to me, a sinner, went down to his house justified rather than the other. And then Jesus made this statement, everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. That is, he'll be brought down. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so if we want to do something for America, we, we need to humble ourselves before God. And when you humble yourself before God, that, that suggests that there is a there, that you have a need of him. You need him. Just think what would happen in America. Just think what would happen in any country of the world if people would begin to trust in God with all of their heart and they would not lean on their own understanding. But that's something else that we can do for America and that is we can ask God for help. We can ask Him for help. Some people are so filled with pride that they just don't want to ask anybody for help. You know, men are a little bit like that. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever been on a trip and the husband is driving the car and you, you, this is uncharted waters for you. You've never been on this, in this place before and you, you have a certain destination and you've been looking at the map and you, 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 you're just confused. You're not really sure where you are and the wife says to the husband, Huh, honey, don't you think we ought to stop and ask for directions? I, I know where I am, he says. You, you see, he just refuses to ask for help. He doesn't, he just, it, it's just something about men that they, we don't like to ask for help. But let me tell you, if we want to do something for America, we need to ask God to help us. Look, look back at Second Chronicles again. He said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, pray, really pray. Pray with earnestness. We need to get on our knees before the God of heaven. The late J. Edgar Hoover made this comment one time. He said, the spectacle of a nation 
on its knees. It is more awe-inspiring than the explosion of an atomic bomb. And then he said, in prayer, men tap the infinite resources of God. And I have to say that's exactly right. Think what would happen to America or any nation of the world if all of the citizens would unite in praying for the help of God for that country. It would change the country overnight. We, we would become a better country. We, we, we would become a more spiritually minded country rather than being steeped in humanism and, and secular thought. We, we would be people who are depending upon God and asking Him for help. The Bible teaches that we ought to pray for our country. Why, well, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul teaches that prayers and intercession and giving thanks ought to be made for all men, for kings, that all are, that are in authority, that we meet a, might lead a quiet and a peaceable life. We'd better get on our knees asking God for help. And guess what happens when you pray? God listens. The eyes of the Lord over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God will listen when we ask for help. We need to be on speaking terms with him. We need to be people who have had our sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb. We need to be in a relationship with God so that we can communicate with him. But when we pray, God will do something. The poet said, more things are wrought by prayer than the world dreams of, and I believe that with all of my heart. James 4 and 2 says, you have not, why not? Because you ask not. The more I study the Bible, the more I am convinced that there are favors and blessings that God will bestow upon His people that He will give in no way except we ask. You have not because you ask not. So if you want to do something for America, not only know whose you are and who you are, and not only learn to depend upon God, we need to ask for help. We need to be asking God to help save this nation, save it from sin. But then something else that we can do for America is to look to God. To look to Him. To seek Him. Seek Him with all of our heart. Uh, go back to Second Chronicles again. He says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You know, there's a passage in the 55th chapter of Isaiah, verse 6, that reads like this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now that tells me that I had better seek the Lord 
while I have the opportunity. That, that tells me that I may not always have the opportunity to seek the Lord. Opportunities can come and opportunities can go. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There have been those who, who thought they could seek God later in life or they could seek God when they got ready. But when they got ready, the door was closed. You know Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of all of them that diligently, diligently do what? Seek him. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek his face. Why, you can wait until it's too late to seek the Lord. Proverbs, the first chapter, verse 24 says, Because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, but no man regarded. You have set it naught my counsel and would none of my reproof. Therefore I will laugh at your calamities and I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. Then shall they seek me early but they shall not find me. Isn't it sad that people would try to seek God, but they couldn't find him? Somebody says, you don't think that's possible, do you, Brother Lambert? Well, why not ask the foolish virgins in Matthew chapter 25? You, you see, they thought that they could get ready when the Lord came, but they found out that there's a time to seek, and there's a time that you cannot seek. And when you get ready, it might be God's not. Seek the Lord. Seek His face. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do you really believe that America is seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Do you really believe that the Lord is first and foremost in the hearts and in the minds and the lives of people of America? Oh, somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I know people that don't believe in God. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Or somebody says, well, I know people, Brother Lambert, that one time they were church-going people. They don't even go to church anymore. Well, they, you, you can't tell the difference between them and, and a person in the world. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody says, well, I know people that, are, that they claim to be members of the church of Christ, Brother Lambert. They, they don't ever go to church. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the need to put the Lord in the proper place in our life and to seek Him, to seek Him with all of our heart because God is a rewarder of people that diligently seek Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that we think we need in life will be added unto us. So if you want to do something for America Look to God. Now something else that we can do for America is to repent of our sins. To repent of our sins. The text in Second Chronicles says to turn from your evil ways. Do, do I need to remind us all that, that sin is a source of grief to God? 
It was sin in the world that, that grieved God in the days of Noah. And the Lord finally said, enough is enough. The end of all flesh is come up before me. In the fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed. Uh, whereby you're sealed. Sin grieves God. Sin is a source of grief to the Godhead. We need to think about that. And we need to turn from our sins. We need to give up our coldness toward God. We, we need to give up our sins of omission and our sins of commission. Somebody says, what do you mean by that? Well, we need to give up sins where we, of things that we know we ought to be doing and we're just not doing them. We know we ought to tell the truth, we just don't do it. We know we ought to keep our marriage vows, we just don't do it. We, we know that we ought to try to live a better life in front of our kids. We know that we ought to be a good example before our children. We just don't do it. We, we know that we need to watch our language. We just don't do it. And then there are sins of commission where God has told us certain things He does not want us to do. And yet we go on and we transgress or He tells us things He wants us to do and we transgress His law. Sin is the transgression of law. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. We want to do something for America. I'm speaking now to the church. I'm speaking now particularly to my brethren in the church of Christ. And I'm saying to the church, get right, church. Get right with God. If we want to do something for the church, for ourselves, for our families, but well, we're talking today about what we can do for America. Become the salt of the earth. Become the light of the world. And that's one of the greatest things that we can do for America. And let me tell you what God will do. God is going to take note. He said, I'll hear from heaven. Because God is sensitive to the plight of people in trouble. But they've got to ask Him for help. They've got to get down on their knees and say, God, forgive me and help me. And then God will cleanse us of our sins. If we'll comply with His law of pardon to those who are, who've never become Christians by believing in Christ and repenting of sin and confessing faith in Christ, being baptized into Christ, Somebody says, well, why? Because Jesus said so. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You'll do that. God's going to be listening and helping. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-800-227-5278.
1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>